Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. We're glad that you are here and that you can be a part of a recent service at TCC. So let's join the service, which is already underway, and listen to the message. This morning I want to speak on the subject, Buried Seed. Buried Seed. As described by History.com, the ex-president bent over the book using a razor and scissors to carefully cut out small squares of text. Soon the book's words would live in their own book, hand-bound in red leather and ready to be read in private moments of contemplation. Each cut had a purpose, and each word was carefully considered. And as he worked, Thomas Jefferson pasted his selections, each in a variety of ancient and modern languages that reflected his vast learning into the book in neat columns. Thomas Jefferson was known as an inventor, a tinkerer. But this time, he was tinkering with something held sacred by hundreds of millions of people. He was tinkering with the Bible. Using his clippings, the aging third president of the United States created a New Testament of his own, one that most Christians could hardly and would hardly recognize. This Bible was focused only on Jesus, but with one very important distinction about Jesus. The scriptures cut out and pasted would include none of Jesus' mystical works. Instead, Jefferson's Bible focused on Jesus as a man of morals, a teacher whose truths were expressed with the help of Miracle, or without the help of miracles and supernatural powers from God. Made for his private use and kept secret for decades, Jefferson's 84-page Bible was the work of a man who spent much of his life grappling with and doubting religion. In the Smithsonian in Washington, D.C., you can find this historic artifact. Jefferson felt that the miracles of Jesus were fantastic tales, and he determined to rid the Gospels of them. Gone were the miracles of Jesus. No blinded eyes open, no deaf ears unstopped, no feeding of the multitude. Gone were the confirmations of his deity. To Jefferson, Jesus was a man, a good man with wise teachings. However, Jesus, Jefferson's Jesus was not divine. Jefferson then took what was remaining and mixed and matched passages from the Gospels into a separate portfolio. And here is the close of Jefferson's Bible. Here is how he concluded his Bible. 
Then took they the body of Jesus and wound it in linen cloths with the spices, as was the manner of the Jews is to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new sepulcher, wherein was never man yet laid. There laid they Jesus, and rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher, and departed. That's how his gospel and his Bible ends. They rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher and departed. Gone was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I think it begs the question for us in this room today. Where does your Bible end? Where does your Bible stop? Where does your belief system end in your life? I'm not sure where your Bible ends today, but I want to try and convince you that there is hope beyond death today. And maybe you maybe feel like a life's at a dead end for you. But I want to inspire you to believe for something more today, to hope for something more. And since we are here at church on Easter, let me state the obvious about what I believe. That our hope today is found in the good news of Jesus Christ. And the good news of Jesus Christ is that he, yes, died. And yes, he was buried. But the good news says that he rose again. My Bible doesn't end with him dying. My Bible doesn't end with them shutting the tomb. But my Bible says, no, somehow the tomb was rolled or the stone was rolled away and he resurrected from the tomb. And I hope that you and I have today, the only hope that you and I have today is found in the idea that he resurrected from the tomb. It's not just found in the idea that Jesus was a good man or that he told good stories that benefited us. No, our hope today, the good news, why we're gathered here on Easter is because that he died, he, he was buried, and he rose again. You see, the apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he said, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and which you stand, by which also you are saved. Can I tell somebody today, you're saved because of the gospel. If you have hold fast to the word that I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. And Paul said this, for I delivered to you, first of all, that which I received. What did he receive? What did he preach? What was the gospel message? What did they need to believe in order to be saved? They had to believe that Christ died for our sins according to scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. The Easter story is the Easter story because Jesus rose again. And Paul would keep going in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Verse 17, he said, and if Christ is not risen, 
If Christ is not risen, then your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. The only way that you and I find an escape for sin is because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Verse 19, he said, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable or pitiable. If our only hope is that Christ is giving us some life today, and when I breathe my last breath, that's it. We would be live a miserable life. But because we believe that Christ died, he was buried, and he rose again, I have hope beyond this life. Some, like Mr. Jefferson, choose to live as if we only have hope in this life. I hope today is in the power of the resurrection. And Christ died and was buried in a very specific season, a very specific time. The Bible tells us that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again during the spring months. It's no coincidence that Jesus died during this time. In Growth University on Wednesday nights, our midweek service, over the last number of weeks, Kristen and I have been teaching through a series called Celebrating Jesus in the Biblical Feast. And as we looked at the life and death of Jesus, we realized that Jesus fulfilled what is known as the Passover because he died as the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. The Jews celebrate the Passover, the the coming out of Egypt, and they kill a lamb, and that lamb slain is representative of Jesus Christ, and it's fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And so Christ died on Passover. And then the next feast, right after, the next day, they begin to celebrate the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And when Jesus was buried, he fulfilled that feast of unleavened bread. And it was finally, after three days and three nights, he resurrects from the tomb. And he fulfills that next feast in that sequence of feast, Passover, unleavened bread, and then first fruits. First fruits was when the priests would grab a hold of the barley harvest and they would bring it and they would wave it unto the Lord. And Jesus, when he rose from the tomb, he fulfilled this first fruits celebration. And these feasts, the Passover, unleavened bread, and first fruit are celebrated in the spring. And this is when Jesus died was buried and rose again. The scripture tells us when Paul, I read 1 Corinthians 15, Paul talks about the gospel and he talks about uh, the resurrection. But in verse 15 or chapter 15, 20, he says, but now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Herein we see this picture of Christ in the spring. We love spring because of the natural picture of new life. 
Easter is celebrated in spring, when nature is coming back to life after a cold winter. In Cincinnati, there are blooming flowers and budding trees and horrible allergies. And somebody said amen. Amen. Spring in Cincinnati is full of smiles and sniffles. Everywhere we look in nature during the spring, it's a picture of resurrection. Because resurrection, the picture of resurrection is found in the seed. Let me state the obvious. You don't have beautiful flowers without seed. You don't have budding trees and fruitful trees without seed. You don't have vegetables in the garden without seed. Hold up that seed you have in your hand. Seeds are amazing and they're powerful. And they give us a picture of the power of resurrection. How we see this is that, number one, a seed doesn't come alive. Hear me now. A seed doesn't come alive until it is buried. We find the image and the power of resurrection in the seed. And Paul, in 1 Corinthians 15, he continues, and he said, Foolish one, what you sow is not made alive unless it dies. What you sow is not made alive unless it dies. And if you want to harness the power of the seed, you can't just have the seed in the air. You can't wave the seed at the sun. If you want to harness the power of the seed, the seed has to be buried in the ground. It comes to life When it dies, there is resurrection potential in every seed. But in order for the seed to reach its potential, it has to die. And seed is just potential without burial. I can line up seeds on the windowsills over here. I can throw them on the platform here. I can throw water on them. But they're just potential unless they get buried. And Christ showed us that he was the seed because his burial was not the end of life. His burial was not the end of things. Mr. Thomas Jefferson, that did not end things. You closed the sepulcher, but that wasn't the end. That was the beginning of life. And the efficacy and the effectiveness and power of Christ was only made possible because he died buried and that burial set him up for resurrection. If President Thomas Jefferson's assertion was correct, And Christ merely lived and died. Mr. Jefferson failed to see the real meaning in Christ's life. 
Christ, meaning was not just something that would be lived so we could feel smarter. Jesus did not live this life so that we could find some greater intelligence. Jesus' life was not just about him teaching parables and teaching us to be wise and moral people. No, that's not why Jesus was born. In fact, the angel said to Mary that you should call his name Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. That's why Jesus was born. That's why Jesus died. That's why Jesus was buried so that he could save us from our sins. Not just to make us smarter in life. Christ came to deal with our sin nature, not just our intelligence. At the cross, our sins were nailed. And in the ground, Our sins were carried and buried, but it was at his resurrection that the chains of sin were broken once and for all. It was his resurrection that freed humanity from the wages of sin. Had the story of Christ ended with his death, we would still be captive by sin today. Christ, as the seed of salvation, he died, he was buried, and like a seed, he came to life again. So we read in Matthew chapter 27, when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, and he laid it in a new tomb, which he had hewn out of the rock, and he rolled a large stone against the door of the tomb, and he departed. And that's where Jefferson's Bible ends. But that's not where it ends. Matthew 28 says, Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning, his clothing as white as snow. But the angel answered and said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. Yes, he died. Yes, he was buried. But the angel said this, he's not here, for he is risen. As he said, come see the place where the Lord lay. The good news today for us is that he died, he was buried, and he rose again. And that reality is available for you and I today. Romans chapter 6 verse 4 It says, therefore, we are buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from 
sin. That you and I have that same hope. That seed. That seed that is represented in our life of who we are has the opportunity to be something it couldn't be. And what we realize is that when we are buried with him in baptism, we've got a couple that are going to be buried with him in baptism. And maybe today there might be a few more that would say, you know what, I want to be buried with Christ. When we are buried with Christ, it sets us up for a resurrection. It sets us up to walk in newness of life. And what we realize about that little seed, hold that seed up again. A seed has exponential potential. It doesn't just have the power of addition to it, but that seed has the power of multiplication. In fact, Jesus said it like this, most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. Without a a burial, without a death and a burial, that seed just remains all by itself. It remains as something it could be. A a seed full of potential, yet without really any effect. And that seed, hold that seed up. That seed that you hold up, when it is planted, when it is put in the ground and that seed dies... When it comes to life, it doesn't just come to life with one more seed, but the sunflower, I I think somebody told me, it comes uh, alive with 2,000 seeds because it's more than the sum total of itself. Let me preach to somebody and help you understand that your life has more potential than you realize. You have more capacity to do good things in the world than you realize. But it takes one thing, and that's identifying with Christ uh, in his suffering and saying, God, uh, I want to be buried with you. And when you allow your life to be buried with Christ, uh, there's no telling uh, what you can do. Oh, hallelujah. And Christ's death, burial, and resurrection was more than just some trophy that Christ won. It set in motion, not just his own deliverance, uh, but it set in motion the deliverance of thousands and hundreds of thousands and millions of people. One seed buried in the ground had resurrection power. And finally, a seed is powerful because a seed is transformed when it comes to life. A seed is transformed when it comes to life. Hold it up again. Hold that seed up. Look at that seed. Doesn't that look like a sunflower? Doesn't that look amazing? Isn't that beautiful, those bright colors? No, the seed doesn't look anything like the ultimate outcome that it becomes. And let me tell you today that that's the hope that Christ gives us in resurrection. That we are no longer the same. We have let old things pass away and behold all things become new. Because when your life, when your seed, when your life is planted and your seed is buried in the ground with Christ, you can be absolutely transformed by the power of God. 
I wish somebody believed me today. I wish somebody would testify and say, you know what? That was me. That was me. When I first walked into church, I was nothing. When I first walked into church, I had nothing. But when I was buried with Christ, when I allowed my life to be buried in him, something came out of my life that I never thought was possible. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, that transformative power, that resurrection power is in this place today. I feel it today. I feel like somebody could leave this place a a little different than you came. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Their names are Adam, Methuselah, Boaz, Hannah, Jonah, No, these are not characters in the Bible, although they share their names. These are names of trees that currently grow in Israel. They were planted some 15 years ago, some as recently as five years ago. These trees were planted. And what makes these date palm trees special is that these trees have been grown from 2,000-year-old seeds that were found in the Judean desert near Jerusalem. The seeds were among hundreds discovered in caves and in an ancient palace built by King Herod the Great in the first century. Around the time the Romans were laying seeds to Masada and the Dead Sea Scrolls were being written, these seeds were formed. And even though these seeds were thousands of years old, when put in the right environment, put in the right environment, buried in the ground, water saturated, buried, they came to life. And some of you today, may feel like your potential is gone. You feel like maybe, just maybe, the seed of what my life could have been is long gone. No, I'm telling you today, it still has a chance to be something great. New life is still possible. And that's why the writer said in Corinthians, Paul said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, If anyone is in Christ, if anyone is buried in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. What I once was, I've been transformed by resurrection power because I'm buried in Christ. Would you stand with me this morning? His name was Lonnie. He was just a seed, just a lonely seed in the world. He lived a rough life for most of his life. And like a seed that hadn't found the comfort comfort of soil, he found himself, as the Bible described, alone on the streets, a life of drugs and alcohol, consumed him 
found himself in and out of prison. Yet in all of that, Lonnie was still a seed. Just a seed that hadn't found the ground. A seed that hadn't been buried. That was until Lonnie Lewis came to surrender his life to Christ. And he was buried with Christ in baptism. And that shell that for so many years was hardened and alone, that shell that spoke of heartache and pain, that spoke of addictions and chaos, when it became buried in Christ, suddenly began to sprout something it had never been. And a man that was broken became a man that was connected and put together. A man that was addicted became a man that was delivered. And something blossomed. And something began to grow. And would who would have known that Lonnie Lewis would become Dr. Lonnie Lewis. And he would counsel people about addiction. He would counsel people about issues in their life. Who would have thought this one who himself was a drug addict in prison, a seed, who would have thought he would be the one helping bring people out of the muck and the mire of addiction. Let me tell you who knew. It's the author of the seed. It's the one who knew the DNA script in the seed and said, if I could just help them find hope, if I could just help them get buried in me, anything is possible. The one who saw potential, the one who formed Lonnie is the one who's in this room today going, I see, I see potential. And I hear somebody that needs to pray this prayer that David prayed. Your eyes saw my substance. Being yet unformed, Psalms 139, 16. And in your book, They were all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. God saw what you couldn't see. And I hate to say this, God sees in you what I can't see. What this church can't see. Even the person sitting next to you who has believed in you and with you, there's things that even they can't see. But the author of life sees great potential in your life. And so all we are called to do is allow ourselves to be buried in Christ. Where this body is dead to sin, but made alive to Jesus Christ. And so you have an opportunity today. You have an opportunity to be set free, to find deliverance. You have an opportunity today through repentance where you acknowledge to the Lord, Lord, I need you in my life. 
I've been trying to act like my life is great and my life is doing all these wonderful things when in reality, it's just a seed. There's so much greater in your life that is present when we are buried in Christ. And if you haven't been baptized, if you have not been buried in the name of Jesus Christ, I encourage you today, let your life be buried in Christ. Paul would say this about a transformed life in 1 Corinthians 15. He said, so also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. And somebody needs to hear this. It is sown in weakness, but it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. And so he said in verse 45, it is written, the first Adam became a living being and the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. That's the hope that we have when we are buried with Christ. Before I invite you to come, I'm going to invite you if you feel comfortable. We're going to be mindful and distant and, and wear masks if we're praying for each other. But I want us to pray in closing. I wonder if somebody would hold that seed to today and say, you know what, this is me. There's a lot of potential here today. There's a lot that could be today. And all it takes, being buried with Christ. I want to pray for you before I invite you to come. Lord, we come to you in this moment. God, there are tremendous stories in this room of individuals God, who really didn't think much of their life. They really didn't think, Lord, that they could serve you with their whole heart. God, they didn't think that they could surrender everything to you, so they stayed on a shelf for years. They stayed away from you. They had failed you. They had walked away from you. They were distant from you. But Lord, you didn't give up on them. God, and today they stand here as potential seed of something they could be, God, that could literally impact this world. God, the potential that sits in this room today, the potential good works that are represented in here, God, are beyond our comprehension. God, and I'm praying someone would have the courage today to be buried with Christ. They would be willing, God, to tie themselves to the cross and say, God, I need you today. God, I need you today. I need you in my life. I surrender everything to you. And so I'm going to invite somebody to make a step today. It'll be an act of courage. It's an act of faith to say, God, I'm going to bury my life with you. And I'm going to repent of my sins. I'm going to allow your presence and your power to wash over me today like it hasn't in a long time. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, 
and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.